dad camping joke for you. Two hikers making their way through bear country come around a corner to spot their worst fear, a grizzly. Without pausing a fraction of a second, one of the hikers takes off running, prompting the bear to charge. Forced into action, the second hiker turns and sprints after the first. What were you thinking? He shouts while running. You're not supposed to run in a situation like this. You can't outrun a bear. I don't have to outrun the bear, his friend shouts back over his shoulder. I just have to outrun you. What's up, good people? Thank you for clicking play on another episode of Big Man Tiny Kingdom. It has been a busy summer season for me so far. I didn't get to go camping in June, working a lot of hours, but duty calls and with everything costing so much more these days, I have no choice but to quickly answer the call. Especially with gas price like it is, might be a good thing that I haven't had the time to travel anywhere. June and July so far have been a good time for me to reflect on my current situations, open my eyes up to some changing realities, see where I can make the necessary life adjustments. I've been looking at my money, I've been looking at my health, looking at where I live and ready for changes, looking at personal involvements, and seeing if there's things that need to be changed there also. It's getting to be overwhelming. Not too much where I can't handle it all, but just enough to let me know that things have been pending for way too long. I'm ready for solutions, and the only person that can fix things for me is me. What eases my brain during times like this is getting out in nature. That's when I purposely let my mind block out all the everyday BS and I slip into fun and relaxation mode. Although life's got me busy and unable to get away at the moment, I still like to find ways to interact with nature when I can. For me, that's probably the biggest benefit to having the internet. I probably clock an hour or two a day, sometimes more, watching YouTube videos of other people's camping adventures. And if I ain't doing that, then I'm discussing something about the outdoors with my work family destinations we've been to, sharing camping stories, cool products we've heard about or purchased. On this episode, I want to introduce y'all to one of my coolest colleagues and fellow outdoor enthusiasts, Dr. Tony Cella. He's a liberal arts professor at Benedictine University. I've enjoyed getting to know Tony. He's very cultured. He shares with me a lot about the variety of local and international places that he's traveled to. He's a remarkable educator. The students love him. I love him. He's a fun dude, easy to talk with about anything. But mostly when Tony and I get together, we're always talking about camping stuff. If not that, then it's sports. Whatever the subject, it's cool chopping it up with Tony. So I asked him if he'd record a podcast with me. And one of the reasons why I wanted to do this was because Tony's someone I know with an RV that I really am fond of and have considered purchasing. You hear us talk a little bit about that, plus some places he's been and some other things that I wanted to know about Tony's camping situation. If you're listening, thank you so much, Tony, for spending some time with me on the podcast, opening up my mind to a different type of camping rig. I won't get into what he owns right now. You'll get to hear him give all the details about it in just a moment. But it's one of the smaller RV options. And as I've said many times, I'm a big man that loves the tiny stuff. Oh, one thing I want to point out, I was really going through some congestion stuff on that day that we were recording. At times, you'll hear me breathing and throat clearing and snorting. Hope y'all don't hold it against me too much. I apologize in advance to you all and to Tony about that. 
I hope it doesn't interrupt you from enjoying the conversation. So without further delay, let me stop talking and get this camping party started with Tony Cella. This is Big Man, Tiny Kingdom. Tell me a little bit about your your camper, the make and model, and any key things that you, you like about it. Okay, well, great. So I have a Columbia Northwest A-Liner, and I bought this uh, during COVID. So I'm a COVID camper, or, or <laughs> the camper is is from COVID, from, um, I guess, the, the latter part of 2020. Before then, I would sleep on the egg crates, you oh, know, in, okay. in, in a tent. So I, I'm new to actually having a camper. Um, so I made the transition from the tent to uh, my model, which is a Ranger 12. So it's a 12-foot camper that uh, can be towed with any vehicle, you know, with a G- GVWR uh, of around 3,000 pounds. Okay. Uh, I have an Explorer, which can tow up to 5,000 pounds. So it's uh, 12 uh, feet long, 15 with the, the tongue weight. Uh, 14-inch wheels. And what I love about this camper is, well, there's a lot of things I love about uh, the Ranger 12. Um, First off, uh, A-Liner makes a very uh, quality product. Um, They're very common to see on the road now. They're uh, some of the campers that are selling the best uh, in in the the Western United States, and they're they're tough to find. But uh, what I love about mine is it's an A-frame, so it folds down. Yeah, it's something I can store in my garage, which, you know, I, I'm on the HOA committee and uh, the rules state that you can't have a camper out in your front yard. So it needs to fit in the garage. Oh, OK. So this is the, the largest camper I could have that fits into my garage. And uh, it has a queen size bed and a double bed. But we took the double bed out and put a dinette there. So my wife and I, and my little dog have a place to sit. Then we have, you know, a nice queen size bed for us. With uh, a stove on the inside with two burners, we have uh, a microwave, uh, air conditioning, uh, heat, and then uh, a little sink as well. But I, I bought a, a fishing, uh, a fish cleaning station that I use to wash dishes outside. So okay. I made a lot of upgrades. But um, yeah, so it's from 2014, and it only weighs around um, 1,500 pounds. So it's not a very heavy camper. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. So and you say so. Since you mentioned your vehicle, you have a Explorer. I have a yeah Ford Explorer XLT, uh-huh. so that can tow up to around five thousand uh, GVWR. Okay. Right? So yeah. When, so when you go camping, a rough guess, what would you say? How much does the things that you bring weigh that you uh, add to yeah. the camper? So the, the dry weight is around fifteen hundred. Uh, I typically don't uh, store water. Mm-hmm. I, I normally hook up with uh, water. But I would say I have around 500 pounds of gear okay. between just tools. Um, I don't like to use the uh, fridge that's mm-hmm. in the camper because it has to be level. Yeah, The fridges are very finicky. So I just carry two big coolers. Gotcha. One for my drinks and then okay. one for all of the cooking we do. I've got my own uh, range stove that I use for, for cooking. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I, I would probably say that we have another 500 pounds of, of gear. Okay. And yeah. so, so does your vehicle, do you feel it when you're driving? No, the, the Explorer is, That's is cool. great. That's it, really cool. It's um, So I, I feel very little stress. You can almost forget that you're towing yeah. the camper. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's been great. The Explorer is from a 2003, and it has 308,000 miles on it. 
Oh, so she's it's been a little a girl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> put some miles on her. Yeah, for, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so do, do when you store your when you all your camping stuff that you bring, do you store it inside the camper itself when it's folded down, or you put it in the in the vehicle? It's a good question. So I have a, a like a tent that we put uh, adjacent to the door, just to have a little oh, okay. extra shade, and that's a pretty heavy tent. You know, it's just one of the ones where you have the the four <laughs> poles and you pull it out. Uh, I keep that there. I keep my fish cleaning station there because, you know, it's so much nicer to have about, it's almost a six foot long table that uh, you can store all of your cooking gear on, you know, your coffee maker, pots, pans, silverware, and just be able to have a lot of room to do your dishwashing. I I, I think that's one of the, the best things that we've bought. And every mm-hmm. time we go to a campground, someone sees that, it's like, that's a great idea. Yeah, I want to get one like of it. those. Yeah. Get them a hundred bucks on Amazon. <clears throat> Wow. Okay. So what do you like most about the camper? What feature of it do you like the most? Uh, I I love that it's light. I love that, uh, you know, can actually sleep four people if I put Mm -hmm. the other mattress in. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I have uh, nieces and nephews that visit uh, who are little and we could take them camping and I'll I'll go comfortably. And um, it has a lot of options. You know, we have, there are a lot of people that do dry camping mm-hmm. that just, uh, you know, maybe take a generator or, uh, you know, fill up the water tank and then go out into the mountains alone. Or it can easily be accommodated, you know, and you can hook up with a 30 amp power, mm-hmm. you know, for, for TV, for your cell phones, for your tablets. Right. Yeah. Not so it, it has a lot of features. That's good. What would you say you like least about it? Uh, least about this camper? Really, I... I can't think of anything that uh, I don't like about it uh, now. Um, you know, if, if you're in an area with high wind, you need tension rods gotcha. because uh, yeah. high wind can uh, move around the ceiling a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then you can maybe even get some, some dirt come in. So I, I took some uh, pool noodles and cut them down the middle and used that as a liner kind of for insulation. Oh, that's cool. Keep, so that, that helps. Some of the tension rods help too. But, you know, someone who's not familiar with the model, you know, might might be scared to hear the, the roof move around a little yeah. bit in mm. high wind. Gotcha. So um, when did you get into camping? What got you into camping and doing, you mentioned fishing. So, yeah. you know, when was your starting point for you of getting out there and exploring the outdoors and, and enjoying that stuff? Well, I, I did that a little bit as, as a kid in Georgia and in the Carolinas and a little bit in Virginia when I was doing my Ph.D. But most of my camping has been here in Arizona. So I moved here in uh, 2014 from um, Charlottesville, Virginia, uh, about an hour outside of Washington, D.C. And really the big catalyst was my wife who is uh, really into hiking and has always been uh, one who enjoys hiking and exploring nature, uh, learning about animals, learning about plants. Uh, Really, she enjoys sports and uh, being active. So I think that she was really a big motivator uh, for me to get more or get back into camping after, you know, being in grad school for for 10 years. Yeah. Okay. Um, What's your... What's a spot that you've been to? Um, actually, rather than saying a spot, what's what's a camping experience mm-hmm. that you think is your has been your favorite moment so far? Well, we we've uh, we camp a lot. Uh, we go probably twice a month for um, three nights. But one very memorable 
camping experience we had uh, during our spring break here at our university was to Monument Valley in mm-hmm. the Four Corners region uh, where, you know, Arizona, Utah, Colorado, and New Mexico meet. And that's uh, a Navajo reservation. It's mm-hmm. actually the largest indigenous reservation in all of the United States. And uh, I don't know if you've seen Forrest Gump, but mm-hmm. when Forrest Gump has the long beard, you know, and he, he's, he's jogging, he's going yeah. from coast to coast. After doing it, you know, three or four times, he has this realization in Monument Valley where you see these beautiful, they're, they're, these rock formations in the background. I think they're called buttes, right? He's in Utah. He's like, you know, I don't, I, what, I don't want to run anymore. Mm-hmm. And then he, he, he kind of reaches this point where he wants to kind of change the, the direction of his life. But I'd say that's my favorite place because uh, I learned so much about geology there. I learned the difference between uh, um, a plateau, a mesa, a butte, and a spire. Oh. So it deals with rock erosion and how the earth has changed over millions of years. But it's a holy, a sacred site for indigenous people. Okay. You know, for the natives that live here in Arizona, right? And uh, we did some horseback riding there. It's uh, some of the best hiking we've ever done. And you can kind of feel the spiritual power of the land and the, the landscape. Oh, okay. Is it like, like it has that vortex type of vibe to it? or It, it definitely has that yeah. same type of vibe. It's, uh, so it's governed by the Navajo Nation. Hmm. So it's dry. No alcohol is a- allowed there. Um it's a place that has a lot of contrast. You have the natural beauty, but also it's it's quite impoverished. And over half of the inhabitants of this reservation don't have running water or electricity. Oh. So it shows really how generous the Native Americans have been to all of us who are not Native and who have moved into this beautiful state that I love so much. Um, but then it shows, too, you know, despite this generosity, despite this welcoming vibe that I always felt there, you know, the, the Native Americans are, to, to, to a large extent, in a predicament that I, I find sad. And uh, so I, th- I think we need to really appreciate who they are and where they come from and really uh, endeavor to improve their collective plight, because I don't think that it's uh, morally acceptable that such a large contingent of their population lives in such dire poverty. Yeah. So was, were you boondocking while you were there? No, we stayed at a KOA uh, right beside, um, uh, right over the Utah border. So, so like I said, the reservation spans over uh, all four states. Mm. The KOA had full hookups, and uh, it was surrounded by uh, a horse farm where they you could do horseback riding and go out, you know, into the desert with uh, uh, Navajo youth. They were mostly 15 and 18-year-old kids who would take us out. And um, it was a very special experience. Yeah, it sounds like it. That's, uh, I, and that's a place I have never been. I've always, it's on my list. I just have never got up into that area. And um, I, I, I need to. That's, that's probably the last part. Yeah, that's probably the last part of Arizona, the, that region that I haven't visited yet. So it has to be on my list for, for either this year or next year. Um, what's the best time of year? What time of the year did you go? I went in March, and uh, it was great, but the wind was diabolical. Was it? <laughs> the, the, the wind there was, was something scary. It, wow. Uh, would sometimes get up to 40 miles an hour. Wow. And there are no trees. Hmm. So uh, you would hear it howl, 
it was pretty ghastly sometimes. Um, but uh, you have the best sunsets and uh, sunrises you could ever imagine. Wow. Coming up over the red rocks of the desert. I bet, yeah. That sounds like a, I, I got to get there. I got to get up there. I've also the other area. I don't know if it's the same area, but I've been putting off going to, um, uh, you know, where you they they you take a tour and they take you down into the rocks, and then you can see the. Uh, they take some really good pictures. I always see those pictures. I can't think of the. I don't know why the name is not clicking, um, but uh, where Horseshoe Bend is, and uh, I forget where that that rock formation is, but people always go down there and they take pictures. You can see like blue and purple and orange in the background and the lights, like the sunlight, like flashes down into the cave. Wow. Um, and it's, it's, I'm drawing a blank on the name, but I'm sure once we get past it, I'll remember it. <laughs> they, they have a lot of tours like that. You know, that's where they filmed the first spaghetti Westerns. Yeah. The, the first Western movies with John Wayne. There's an area that's named for John Wayne. Yeah. They also have, um, I would say, a, a place called, it's called Mexican Hat, which is this extremely interesting rock formation where it looks like a huge sombrero, but it's, it's held up by a little piece of rock that can't be in, but, but a couple of feet wide. And it has mm. this massive rock formation that you don't know. It looks almost like a mushroom, mm -hmm. right? And then if you go just a little bit further, you have the Valley of the Gods, which mm. uh, you can do a lot of boondocking there. And you have uh, incredible rock formations that are gray, kind of a grayish stone, a different mineral. Oh. Right? So in Monument Valley, you mostly have the red rocks like Sedona. Gotcha. But you, as you go into Utah, the, the colors change and you see green rock formations. There are also petroglyphs where the, the natives, um, I think some of the, the, the drawings go back um, 1,500 years. Right, or etched in stone, uh -huh. and you can see deer. You can see food. You can see where they would uh, do mathematics to to see, for example, how much food they had, mm -hmm. and and all of that is right in southern Utah. So. Gotcha, Page, Arizona. Oh, in, in Page. Yeah. That's where I was talking about. Okay, yeah, it always comes. <laughs> I, up I knew it would click later. Yeah, <laughs> as, as a professor, I, I always uh, remember things late. You know, after class, I was like, that's what I was trying to remember. <laughs> yeah. So, a couple bonus questions for you. Um, just random thoughts that I had. If you could, you know, aside from camping, or if camping is your your choice, let me know. If you could vacation anywhere in the world, uh, where would you go and, and, and why? Well, I'm on uh, Facebook and the A-Liner Owner Club. And I thought that A-Liner was something that you would just have here in the Western United States, but they're actually made and shipped all over the world. So there are A-Liner owners in Scotland, for example, that show this beautiful green pastures who were camping there. But there's also a large group of owners in Australia. So that's where I think I would go. Wow. Is Australia. They have places uh, that are very similar to Arizona, you know, with a desert, arid landscape. But they also have uh, just, a, you know, a couple hours away, uh, areas that look like the Caribbean with these beautiful turquoise waters, uh, you know, uh, tropical trees. They have the canyons. And it's all impeccable. They're, uh, it's largely an unpopulated country, especially mm. in, the, in the western part of the country. Yeah. And, uh, of course, with the nature, the kangaroos, the other animals they have. But um, I've seen the pictures that the Australian owners have put on Facebook, and I'm like, that's, that's where I want to go. And it would be camping, too.
Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. You're on a long flight. Which person, famous or not, would you want to sit next to and have a conversation with? And what do you think you would talk to talk about with that person? I think one person uh, whom I admire greatly uh, is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Okay. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, on top of being the NBA's all-time leading scorer, has a PhD in, in education. Oh. Right. And he spent all of his time trying to help, you know, uh, encourage sports and, and healthy living uh, for, you know, uh, youth in the United States, specifically minority youth. He's someone who greatly values education. He's a true intellectual when you hear him speak. He's uh, very concerned about social justice. And uh, and also, I mean, he's getting up there now. You know, he played in the in the. NBA for a long time, had a very long career, and I love hearing his analysis generation by generation. You know, some people ask him, um, how has basketball changed since the 1960s or since you went to Power Memorial High School in New York and then your years at UCLA playing with John Wooden, then starting out in the NBA with a, a Milwaukee Bucks, then going to L.A., and he has a lot of insight He's very knowledgeable about the game and about strategy. So um, I listened to a podcast the other day, and it was about why no one uh, does the sky hook anymore. And he talks about how they don't teach basketball and basketball, you know, for anyone to play with their back to the basket. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants a three-pointer, and, and kids learn how to play facing the basket. Yeah. And he, he talks about uh, just stylistically how basketball has changed, but he – is someone who also loves the outdoors. He has a huge ranch in New Mexico. Hmm. Uh, I had a friend run into him in the Albuquerque airport. Oh. And he was wearing cowboy boots and a cowboy hat. He was <laughs> at seven foot two. And he was going to his ranch. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so he's someone that I think is just extremely well-rounded and uh, is a very genuine person. Yeah. So I think that he would be who, who I choose. Wow. Where's your next uh, camping destination? Well, uh, I'm planning now going my, with my wife up to Wyoming and maybe Oregon this summer. Wow. So I want to go to the Northwest Oregon, being as green and as florid and having a coast, I think would be yeah. uh, the ultimate, uh, I guess, contrast to our oh, desert yeah. climate here in the valley. Thank you again to my friend, Dr. Tony Chella. Hope you and the missus are out there enjoying your summer vacation. I've seen the pictures on Facebook. I don't remember what country, but I know you're somewhere international right now. Happy safe travels. I'll catch up with you at the start of the fall semester. To all you July babies, cheers to you. Celebrate real big. Enjoy your day. And happy quick day to my 717 family. Salute to my real ones. It's been a smoking hot summer here in AZ. If any of you brave souls are doing outdoor activities during these high temperature days, please, please, please be sure you're doing it responsibly. But like I always say, whatever you do, make sure you're doing it real big. This is Big Man, Tiny Kingdom. <laughs>